We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All systems are good. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Van Vliet. Well, greetings and salutations, my friends. Welcome back to another audio adventure on Insight. I'm CVV Chris Van Fleet, and yeah, Renee Paquette back on the show. Fun little factoid for you. Renee was actually our first guest when we renamed the podcast from the Chris Van Fleet Show to Insight with Chris Van Fleet. And that was way back, episode number 162 in January of 2021. We're now at episode 460. Well, crazy to think. We've had 300 episodes since then. So a lot's obviously changed for the show. A lot's obviously changed for me and Insight and the two YouTube channels that we have. They're growing at a crazy rate. And a lot has changed for Renee. We talk about it a bunch, but just think, in the last two-ish years, she now works for AEW. She's now a mom. I mean, the last time we talked to her, she was pregnant with her daughter, Nora, now Nora's almost two years old, and I'm sure you probably know this. I've talked about it uh, at great length, but I'm about to be a father too, so that's going to change the next time that I talk to Renee, whenever that happens to be. But yeah, we're just a few weeks away now. May 21st is the due date for our daughter, and man, I can't wait. I can't wait. Snap a screenshot, let us know what you think of this episode, and tag us so we can share it out. I mean, look at those great looking episode artwork graphics that we have for every single one. Look how great our guests look there. See, I mean, if you're watching or listening on Spotify or any, really, any app that shows the episode art, look at it, 460 in the corner, Renee Paquette, great photo there. Love it. Tag us so we can share this out. The great artwork that is. She's at Renee Paquette. I'm at Chris Van Fleet and AJ Anzalone. AJ Anzalone. Thank you for leaving this review on Apple Podcast. It says, legend, Chris is a great podcaster and interviewer. Big recommendations for everybody who's a wrestling fan. Thank you for that. I'll keep reading these out as they come in. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts and uh, we'll shout you out on the show if you want to plug something. That's a easy and cheap way to get, uh, you know, plugged for whatever it is, your podcast, your YouTube channel, your business, just leave it in the review and we'll read it out here. All right, let's get into this. It's me and Renee Paquette on Insight. 
Oh, Renee, it is so good to see you. Good to see you. It's been over two years since you were on Insight, and like Gosh. so much has changed in that time. Yeah, a lot has changed in that time. God, to think of like over two years ago, I would have been massively pregnant, about to drop a baby into yeah. the world. Um, I was still living in Las Vegas. Now I'm in Ohio. I'm in Cincinnati. Yeah. My baby is here. She's alive and well. She's almost two. God, yeah, a lot has changed. I work for AEW now. Yeah. Last time I talked to you, you're like, I don't know. I probably won't work in wrestling anymore. We'll see. Everyone gets that bug, though. I will say there's just nothing like pro wrestling. That's Once that's you're what in, everybody you're says. In, you're in. It's like the mafia. or Yeah, you just like, you're, you're in. Yeah. When we spoke last time, your show had the word oral in the title. <laughs> that's gone now. Yeah. I know who, who got, got really mad nice, about like, that? Who said that's got to go? That, honestly, nobody got mad about it. No one cared. Um, it was more so a thing for me that I was like, oh, if we want to like get other advertisers or different ads, I just didn't want people to be like weird about it. Yeah. People were pervy about it, obviously. <laughs> um, so I was like, oh, well, let's just change it. And I kept just calling it the sessions anyways. I kind of short form everything. Um, so yeah, I just kind of kept referring it to the sessions, uh, in the intros to the show and blah, blah. And as I'm talking to like Emilio, our producer, James, um, some of the people at the volume, like, do we want to just change it to the sessions? I was like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I like it. Why not? Sure. And I get where you're coming from. It's like, it's an oral history. It's an oral dictation of these things that have happened. Thank you. Yeah. Not a pervert guys confirmed. Well, you know, <laughs> like, hey, we've all got our vices, right? A nice double meaning. Sure. <laughs> how how different is life now as a mom? Oh, my God. It's so different. It's different in that it's weird because I feel like even though my daughter is she'll be turning two in June and I've had a kid for two years now. But everything constantly is changing. So you go from having like a tiny little baby to figuring out, whoa, I'm a mom for the first time. What am I doing? How do I figure this out? What's happening? To then like you kind of get in a little bit of a groove. And then as soon as you figured out that game, the game has changed. And now she's walking. She's running. She's doing things. She's active. She's like, she. I feel like she's like a little girl now. She doesn't feel like a little baby. But juggling that with working and staying ambitious and creative and creating space for myself to do that is like, that's, that's really what the challenge is. I would imagine what would be difficult is like, you're still so good at focusing on the many jobs that you have. And we'll talk about all of the jobs that you have and all the hats that you wear, but it'd be so difficult to like, while we're doing this, what if your daughter does something amazing for the first time? And I know you're not you there miss for it. things and it's true. Like being on the road, like, you know, going back on the road with wrestling, like joining AEW and being on the road, I mean, to be gone really essentially a day and a half a week. And if we're gone longer than that, we always bring her with us. Like if it's like a pay-per-view week or something like that, of course, and we'll just bring her and stay and kind of stay put that way. And that makes life a lot easier. But yeah, I just, I don't want to miss anything. I'm also like, I think I'm just like selfish in the sense, like I don't want to share her, you know, like we, our, our nanny is a family friend of ours and she's fantastic. But yeah, there's times I'm just like, I just want to like, I want to do everything all the time. Whether that's, I want to work. I want to, I want to be with AEW. I want to be on TV doing these things. I want to do the podcast. I want to have these interviews. I want to be the best mom in the world. I want to do all of the things and trying to like create space for all of those things and to do them all well. That's, 
That's the big question mark. You know how difficult it is for people to picture John Moxley as a dad? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I think a lot of people have a hard time picturing John doing anything aside from wrestling. Blows people's true. mind. It's like watching like a dog walk on their hind legs. It freaks people out. <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> is John the husband and the father that much different than the John we see on TV and in the wrestling ring? I would say so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's, he's not bleeding at home all the time. <laughs> no. No, he spares us that though, you know, every now and then. He has done a doozy on my uh my pillowcases though. I will say that the bedding takes a toll. <laughs> Everything else is pretty good. This though. is the the scabs, is that what that is? Yeah, or like yeah, it just it yeah, the, like the scabs are things that haven't healed or um yeah, I mean, I guess that's really what it is, especially like you leave like a hotel room and he's been like battered and bloodied the night before. And then you're sleeping a certain way. And then your face is dried to the pillow. You got to oh. like pull it off. And then we're back to, we're back to the beginning. Yeah. Did you know what you were getting into when you first, when you started dating a wrestler no. and then you marry a wrestler and I'm sure it's even you know, changed a lot since then. It's really funny. Cause I think of like, so when John and I first started dating, and I feel like John and I, like, even when we first started dating, it was just kind of like, oh, I'm with this person now, and this is my person, and we're just going to be together. Like, there was never really any kind of conversation of, like, where, who, what we are, and what our relationship is, and what our dynamic is, any of that. It just sort of, like, it always has been since mm -hmm. we've been together. Um, but anyway, so I'm on the road with WWE at the time, of course, and my mom doesn't know what kind of life I'm really living. Of course, I'm calling and checking in with her, but she doesn't really know anything about pro wrestling. She really doesn't know anything about who John Moxley and or at the time Dean Ambrose was. So when I'm telling her that I'm dating this guy and she starts looking him up, then she stumbles upon John Moxley looking up his old promos, his old matches. And she, I remember her like, she called me or she texted me and she was like, so like wary of him she's like i don't know about this like i don't he seems like really like seems a little scary and mean and rattling off all these other adjectives um and i was like mom it's fine like don't don't sweat it um but now it's so funny because my mom is like so obsessed with john like my my mom loves john more than she loves me i can almost guarantee you that um she <laughs> my mom got a mox tattoo what Yes. Yeah. I did not see that in my, uh, in my bingo cards. Where is this? It's on her wrist. So we have been kind of like joking around about it. So right after I had Nora, John really wanted to go get another tattoo. My mom was staying with us to kind of help me like get my footing as a mom. Sure. So my mom's with us in Vegas. John wants to go get a new tattoo. And I'm like, well, shit, I want to go get a tattoo too. And this was like, yeah, maybe a couple weeks after I had had Nora. So I'm like, I'm going to get like a tattoo for the baby. And I, yeah. What did he get? Maybe this is when he got the like the rose thorn one. I think it was that. But anyway, so my mom's there. My mom gets like big time FOMO. She's like, well, I want a tattoo too. <laughs> so she is like, well, what am I going to get? What am I going to get? And she's like trying to figure it out. And John jokingly was like, well, why don't you get my name or something like that? And she was like, okay, that's great. My mom's very much so like a call my bluff kind of person. Wow. So, yeah, she got it. She was like looking it up and like he just wrote his name and then she got that. It's really tiny. It's actually kind of cute. But um, yeah. But you hilarious. don't even have a Mox tattoo. No. I got to protect this vessel that is my uh, body. Yes. 
It's not enough damage to this body. <laughs> wow. Wow. Not nearly as much damage as your husband. Ah, that's true. That is true. I mean, my baby might beg to differ, but it's it, it's fine. Everything's <laughs> fine. Everything's where it needs to be. It's fine. I'm at the stage right now where you were two years ago when we did the conversation last because I'm about to have a kid. That's right. Congratulations. Yeah. Do you know you. what you're having? We're having a girl. Yay. So our, our girls everything all together. picked out? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. So you're keeping it under wraps until she's here. Yeah. I think cool. we, and you know, you know all about that. Like if you tell someone the name now, it's a really go, weird really? thing. That's, that's the name you're thinking. I know it's really weird. So I was actually pretty open about that. We were naming her Nora. We put it out there kind of early. Um, I don't know. I, I think I said it maybe when I did the twins podcast with Nicole and Bree. And uh, anyways, I was trying not to be so superstitious about all of those things. But it is weird. I mean, when you share that name and you put it out there, because then even as it got closer to Nora being born, I was like, are we calling her that? We are calling her that, right? Like I started to almost second guess myself. That's a where bit. I'm at right now. It's like, almost it, every day, I'm like, that's the name we're going with, right? She's like, yes, I love that name. I'm like, I love it too. Just making sure. Did you have like a top five that you were kind of like circling around? Or we top had two, like three? three names and we weren't sold on any of them. And then one day my wife, Rachel, wakes up and goes, what about this name? And I go, wow, that is such a good name. Why, why was that never part of the conversation? Yes, that's it. Right to the top of the list. Oh, that's great. See, that's her name then. You guys that's know. That's yeah. how we were with Nora. So we got Nora. My grandmother was Eleanor and I wanted to pay homage to her. So we yeah. did Nora from that. But I was also like, I just like, was also listening to a lot of Nora Jones at the time. Like mm. I was just in a bit of a Nora swing. I was, so we, we leaned into it. I just didn't want to like, I didn't want the opinions of other people. I didn't yeah. want family members and friends to go, oh, really? That's the name? Huh? I know. Wow. Because when there's an actual like person attached to that name, you can't say, really, that's going to be know. the name? I know. It's weird, especially like as you're rattling off different names, you're like, have names associated with so many other people, whether it's like, it could be a name that I loved and John's like, well, no, I knew a blah, blah, blah. And yeah, she was a bitch. Yeah, was a lot of that. So like, you never know. It's it's really hard to kind of land on that. It's fun though. Like I really, I think naming a person is really cool. What yeah. it's a really fun experience. Pretty neat. How is life in Ohio for you? Great. It's I, great here. I actually, I was in Cincinnati for like nine months. Now I'm in Los Angeles, but yeah, I, I, there's something so special about the Midwest. I agree. There's like, there's a certain charm about it. And I'm sure you can kind of attest to this too, where like, it's almost Canadian adjacent to a degree. Like there's something that feels like home to me. Yeah. I don't know if it's just also like the landscape. You're like, it's, it's a little bit warmer here than it is in Toronto. Um, but there's something with like the landscape. We're really close to the city. So that's something that we're both very into. Like when I was in Vegas, I hated that there was like, there was nowhere to walk to. There's nowhere to just like meander around. You're either going somewhere, you're going to the strip, you're going to this place. Like there's a destination. I like to just kind of cruise. I want to grab a coffee and like walk around and check some stuff out. But now having a kid too, it's like, you don't realize how important having a good park is and mm. having museums and like, just a zoo, the good zoo, like all that stuff to do with a kid. 
and also having family all here is huge. Also, when you're in Las Vegas and you go outside in the summer, you're going to melt into the sidewalk. I just couldn't figure it out. Like I could not do it. I figured like I was there for six years for like five of those years. I was on the road the whole time. So you're home for a couple of days and you kind of check in. It's fine. Then you're gone again. But when once I left WWE pandemic hit and I'm pregnant, I was like, oh, uh uh-uh like the heat is so bad because i had nora in june um i couldn't take her outside to take her even just for a walk to get some fresh air until like 10 p.m at night which is absurd you couldn't take them out in the day how do you take a kid how do you take a kid to like a park in that weather without them melting into the slide it's crazy i could i just can't do it so I was so happy. Like, I feel like I've been barking up that tree for a while to John where I was like, I'm ready to get out of Vegas. I don't want to be here anymore. Um, I just never really loved it. No offense, Vegas. We had our thing, but we've moved on. Uh, but we just didn't know where we were going to land. I had no idea. And John would always kind of joke like, oh, we'll go back to Cincinnati. But I didn't. He never really big up Cincinnati to me that much. And mm-hmm. then once we were actually like really spending a bit more time here, I'm like, it's actually pretty great. Like, it's it really is a cute little town. Like, I think yeah. it's a bit of an unsung hero of the Midwest. So anyways, long story short, I do quite enjoy it here. It's really nice. I was just on the other side of the river in Northern Kentucky mm-hmm. and it was amazing how much land and space yeah. you could have there. I know, I know it's beautiful. <laughs> like getting into like Covington and Newport and like all those little like nooks, uh, Alexandria, I guess. Like there's so many cute little spots that are out yeah. there. Um, it's so funny. As I say that, John would big cute little spots. I always want a cute little spot. That was like my thing. And I'm like, yeah, there's tons of them here. It's awesome. I love it. Is this where you think you'll live for a long time? I think so. I think so in terms of like, we also kind of hit the jackpot with our house. Like I really love our house. So we bought a really old house. I mean, a lot of the stuff here is really old, which is a thing that I love. I love that older architecture. I love homes with stories. I love neighborhoods with stories. I mean, the neighborhood here is a little sketch. Um, The story, anyways, used to be a little sketch around here. Um, But uh, yeah, the house is awesome. So it was built in like 1865. It used to be a bed and breakfast. So the layout of it's really cool. But we also lucked out that we're like in the city, but we also have a yard. So we have a little bit of both. Um, so I, I think it would be really, really hard for me to want to give this up. So as you've made this transition into like, I mean, like, again, so much has changed, right? You're living in the Midwest now. You're a mom. You're working with AEW. Who's helped the most with your transition into being a mom and parenthood? Gosh. You know, like, I just not... It, that's a it's a hard question to answer because I think everything I do, like even like work wise, if it's like broadcasting, trying to like fine tune things, I really kind of learn from my own mistakes. Mm-hmm. I kind of learn as I'm going. And as much as yes, I mean, I FaceTime my own mom all the time. And I really kind of harken back more. So not so much of her giving me advice now. I kind of go to like being a kid again i think of how my mom was with me i think of the kind of mom that she was and my mom was like a very like busy person in the sense that like she liked us to do things we went camping we went on little trips we were like always out doing shit and that's something that i kind of think about a lot with nora that like i want to be that mom that is 
doing things with her. Mm. I want to be like very present and with her. And when I'm with her, I want to be with her. Um, and, and even just in terms of like making her feel a certain way. I mean, there's like that quote of like people, you know, people might not remember blah, blah, blah about you. People remember how you made them feel. And that's something I, I try to think of a lot. And yeah, it's not so much of anybody kind of tapping me on the shoulder and reminding me of that now. I think it, I think just when you have a kid, it really takes you back to your own childhood a lot. You think about the things that you saw, the things you did, what worked, what didn't work. And I think you kind of sift through those things more than anything. So, yeah, I think I've been doing like a little bit more of like a deep dive on my childhood, mm. but also that sense of being appreciative for what my mom did. Like, I, I know my mom was a good mom, but now being a mom and thinking of like, I have so many more resources than my mom did. Yeah, And that's something that I'm like, God, how did you like, how did like, even just like, God, the first time your kid gets sick and you're like Googling things and just being able to have that access is crazy. Our parents didn't have that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really those kind of things I think that have really helped me as a mom while also just like, I'm really not that hard on myself as a parent in sense of like, again, my mom, I remember her, we were, you know, some kind of mom, daughter, kid fight where I'm like upset with her about something. And I remember her saying to me, she's like, I've never been a parent before I'm figuring it out too. And I was like, you yeah. know, probably a teenager at the time, but that really stuck with me that I was like, oh Yeah. That's true, mm. of course. So that's kind of, that's something I kind of think about a lot is like, we're figuring it out. And so long as I'm always there for her and I'm nice to her, but I'm teaching her lessons and trying to just like educate her, but keep things fun. Like that's, that's really kind of my main objective right now. Which one of your wrestler friends have you like bounced some mom advice off of? Oh, probably Becky the most. Becky is like, I mean, she has been the best from like day one, even like when I first found out I was pregnant. Um, I mean, just in terms of even just like, you know, she sent like cute little Doc Martens for Nora and like some cute little outfits and stuff. But she's somebody. Um, yeah. Anytime like her and Seth are in town, we'll get the the girls together and get to like see our babies together. It's such a trip to like see that with our friends to be like, man, we've spent so much time together now to see like this next generation of these like little babies that we've made to see them together. So cool. Rue's about, I think just about six months older than Nora. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really cool to be able to see them together, but yeah, definitely, definitely Becky, of course, um, you know, Brandy and I were pregnant at the same time, Brandy Rhodes and I, um, and she had her daughter, I think it was like five, I think only five days after Nora was born. Wow. So in terms of pregnancy wise, we've been able to kind of check in and on each other and with our kids being the same age, kind of checking in on certain things. Um, but yeah, those are the two that come to mind. Am I leaving somebody out? I feel like I'm leaving somebody out. <laughs> I'm probably I leaving somebody. I don't else. know. You, 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 uh, you do <laughs> a lot of a stuff. Lot, though. With, you you a do lot. a lot of stuff with the the Bellas or the, the Garcias now. The Garcias, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, even you know, with with them, and I just recently was the first time that we were able to get all of our kids together. But it's like anything, you know. We're all so busy to be able to really have time to like stop and check in on each other when it's like, oh, we all have a million things going yeah. on. And it is really cool when that moment happens. Like I had not met Buddy at all. And the last time I saw Birdie, she was tiny, tiny, tiny. So to now see her as like a little girl, she's, I think, about to turn <clears throat> six, I, I want to say. Um, and then seeing the, you know, seeing Buddy, seeing Mateo and seeing them all together, it was like so crazy. But it was, you know, it was a quick little visit but it's it's so cool just to see 
your friends at this next stage in life. Yeah. And it's so cool that we're all going through it like around the same time. It's it's pretty unique. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, so, it's cool. What did this transition look like? Because you were obviously spending a bunch of time backstage at AEW. You were, you know, you were there for some episodes or some pay-per-views with John. What did the conversation start to look like of like, hey, do you want to like be paid to be here too? <laughs> well, it was more so for myself. Um, you know, as much as I love doing my podcast, I love being able to do these long form interviews. I feel like there's just something really fun about that that you really don't get to do TV wise unless you get one of those sweet Netflix deals like Letterman and right. Let, let's get that going. Um, I love doing that. But for me, it's like also being able to work from home as a new mom was like a blessing and a curse. I sort of needed to get out of the house. I needed to get back to being me. Mm. Um, and as much as like, yeah, it was awesome to be able to sit in my sweats and do my work and and do all those things. I, TV has always been my number one love in terms of like career aspect things. So when I started to really get that itch and feeling like I was, I was really in like a good, comfortable spot that I was like, well, Nora's, you know, a year and a half at the time now. Um, I'm feeling good about maybe stepping back into that world. Um, and I had been having sort of like uh, like preliminary conversations with WWE about me maybe going back there and just maybe doing like pay-per-views or some specials. We really didn't hash it out or get that far in those conversations, but some conversations were starting to happen. Um, and then it, you know, it really kind of dawned on both me and John that we're like, man, if, you, if this is where it's going to go and this is what we're going to do, of course it makes more sense for me to be in AEW and just to kind of see all the things that AEW had to offer as like not only being on the road with my husband, but to be a part of this like young upstart fun, you know, really kind of changing up the whole scene of pro wrestling. That was something that I really want to be a part of um, and not only be a part of it as a broadcaster and kind of lend my experience in that world, but also as a producer to a degree, I mean, if I can help with stuff like like different backstage promos, help with, you know, all that stuff, all the things that kind of fall under that umbrella, that's something that really, really appealed to me. Um, so, yeah, more the more those conversations kind of started to happen and, and those conversations were really just between John and I, um, then it was just like, OK, let's see what Tony thinks. And yeah, and Tony, of course, was on board. And I feel like, I mean, that's the quickest I've ever really had a contract just come through and be like, okay, come, let's do wow. it. Let's start it. And let's get this ball rolling. Um, so it was cool. And of course it made sense for me to be able to make my debut in Toronto. And that just made it that much more special. It was really, really a fun time. Are there any similarities between working there and working in WWE? Yeah, of course. I mean, in, in terms of like, wrestling's wrestling day of show is always a little bit crazy of like what's happening is are things changing is this what's happening like that happens in both places for sure um but yeah it's like that fun energy it's it's a different energy and that's something that took me like a little bit of a second to adjust to i'm so used to you know, I was at WWE for eight years. So to to now be in a similar environment to that, but it's not the exact same environment as mm -hmm. that, it, it's cool to to kind of like figure that out and figure out the ropes. And it's it's fun doing um like the backstage promos there. It's it's cool. You know, I think WWE having their writers and having written promos for, you know, a majority of the people, um, that definitely serves a purpose and there is a benefit to that. But it's fun being able to hop on the set and go, 
what are we saying? What are we doing? What do we need to try to accomplish here? How do we do that? What are like just trying to like connect the dots to make the most sense of those promos? It's a, it's a fun challenge. I like it. Yeah. You, I feel like at AEW, you're getting more of like a direction of like, all right, this is what where the promo needs to head. Yes, Whereas yes. in WWE, they're saying, all right, here's your promo. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, it's, it's cool to be able to have that input in and to try to make sense of it. Um, you know, it's like anything where you've got you know, two hours of TV time for for Dynamite, an hour for Rampage, trying to get the proper storytelling in place for each show to make the most sense with, usually it's like a pretty small amount of time. It's not like we're given, to, if you're given two minutes for a promo, that's a lot of time. Yeah. So when you have 60 seconds to try to accomplish, okay, this match is coming up, this championship is involved, there's also might be some other thing that we want to maybe loosely tie that into this promo. Um, it's It's really fun trying to, to figure out how to make it make sense. <laughs> I'm always so sense. impressed at no, no matter what company we're talking about, how anyone can snap their fingers and cut a 60 second promo. I know like that. It's great. I know. I love it. It's, it is, it's such a cool, I, I'm always in awe of the performers when they do that. And I was thinking yeah. this um, when I just recently did an in-ring promo with, with Ruby Soho, and it was a really great promo. We're talking about the outsiders and, you know, how or how they came together, why they have joined this group, all these things. And I was like, damn, that makes a lot. I'm with you. Yes, that makes perfect sense. And then right after that, for her to go into a match. So it's like there is just so much happening of like your brain firing on like all different uh, all different paths this promo needs to happen. This match is happening right after that. This is the out. This is this. Da, da, da. It's like that always blows my mind to be able to see the performers like really bring it all together yeah. like that. Nobody else was can in, do that. I thought it was interesting when MJF kind of like tied in like, you know, you and John into a promo. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like we all know this, but yeah. like, yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool. There's an art to it. That's for sure. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. 
I, I want to ask about, I think one of the most memorable promos in WWE that you were part of, and it was on Talking Smack. And that moment between The Miz and Daniel Bryan, mm-hmm. what was actually going on there? Like what was happening in your earpiece and what was happening in that whole segment? I don't really remember much happening in my earpiece during that, except for at the very end. It's funny, Mike Mansuri, when I had him on my podcast, and now he's um, co-executive producer of AEW. What a huge asset he is for us to have. Um, But he was a producer of the show during that time. And uh, he, I remember him, while all of this action is happening, he's really, he's not saying anything in my ear. I think he kind of knew he was following Mike. He was following Miz to see what he was going to do. Follow that promo, follow what's happening with Brian. And I remember like, while they're in the midst of all this chaos, he's saying to me, take us off the air now. And I'm like, what? The F? Like, what do you mean? Take us off the air right now. Like we are in the moment right now, but uh, it was like his genius to have it just kind of wrap up as it was with no real outcome or like we, we didn't know where things were going to go after that that moment with that promo. Um, so yeah, that's that's really kind of what I remember of that. And just being in the middle and like being between Brian and between Miz and to see Miz cutting this promo on why he wasn't wrestling, why the Intercontinental Championship meant so much to him and like to see the his eyes welling up and these tears happening. I'm like, oh my God, he's crying. He's going to start crying. Oh my God, this is happening. And then he starts digging into Brian who like, I've got so much sympathy for this man that has had to retire from his in-ring career. We don't know what this means. Where's things going to go for him? The injuries rattling off all these things that I'm like, do I have to fight the Miz right now? Like, holy shit, this is crazy. But yeah, it was, you kind of started to step in there and you were like, Hey, wait a second. Like, this isn't about that. I know because I was like feeling, I was like, I knew that Brian was like kind of between a, a rock and a hard place, physically at least, of like what he was going to be able to do. That I was like, oh my god! And, it, and you that know, time, Go what ahead. Miz was saying was like there was a lot of truth to what Miz was saying. Yeah, yeah, oh for sure, one hundred percent. Like there was just so much. It was like little truth bombs being dropped all over the place, and it was just like really rattling everybody. Um, but to be in the like the heat of the moment like that when you're really capturing lightning in a bottle. And I don't think I I wasn't looking at it from like the entertainment aspect, so to speak. I was looking at it of like, oh my God, these are two human beings that I care about and shit's going down. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> that might be Mike's best promo ever. 100%. And that really like that lit a fire under a lot of people's asses to not only, yes, he's an, an incredible performer and I don't think he gets nearly the respect that he deserves. Mm. Um, but it also reminded people of essentially kind of the purpose of what talking smack was. This is not, it's not raw and it's not SmackDown. Let's make it something else. We're not going to always turn everything into a storyline because you'll smell that coming a mile away. So mm-hmm. when you can plant those little moments, it makes them so special. Um, yeah, I, it was, it was just such a cool moment in time of us doing that show. And it felt like we were just like off to the side, kind of doing our own thing. No one's really paying attention. So we could get away with kind of whatever. But it was after that moment that they're like, mm, we're going to start bringing some writers on this show. And now Vince is like, uh, you know, producing the show. So yeah, every now and then Vince will pop in my ear. I'm like, oh my God, Vince is here. What's happening? I thought that we were just like doing this as like a little after hours program. 
<laughs> Talking Smack was fantastic. I don't know why they got rid of it. Uh, well, I mean, they brought it back, but it's not the same thing. No, um, no. You should have I, you should have some version of this uh, for AEW. I agree. No, I I completely agree. I would I would love to do that. And it's you know, there's definitely like a little bit of a formula that you've got to kind of figure out. And it's also a really cool spot for performers that don't necessarily get all of that TV time on mm-hmm. a rampage on a dynamite. It's really cool, I think, for the wrestlers to understand how to speak as their character. Mm. And that was things that we would kind of fall into. We'd have certain people. And when you're used to being handed a script and used to kind of being told, this is your character and blah, blah, blah. It's cool to see people just kind of get to live as that character while they're figuring it out. Of course, there's, you know, so many people that are already very well-rounded and well-versed in that space, but there are some greener talent that I think could really benefit from just getting to exist and talk and cut promos and and whatnot as their character on television like that. The stakes aren't so high. Yeah. We talked last time about your role as a commentator on Raw. And it's so interesting to think about. It's kind of been a revolving door of like commentators on Raw. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it was you, it was Cole, Adnan Virk, Jimmy. Now you got Kevin. Um, Vic was there for a little while. Like, why do you think it's been it's changed hands so many times? <laughs> uh, I'll tell you exactly why. Because they put somebody in to do commentary, and I don't think that they're. And it's not that I don't know. I don't know how to frame this the right way. It's not that there's not enough respect put on what commentary means, and to be good at commentary, they do understand that. But a lot of times they're like, okay, well, put Renee on. She'll be good. She's good in these other things. Let's put her on commentary. I was not ready to do commentary. I wasn't ready to do raw commentary specifically. Um, And that happens a lot. Adnan Verk was like great broadcaster, fantastic broadcaster. And I think they're like, well, let's bring in somebody from the outside world from outside sports that, that really knows that space. But he had never done play by play. He had never done it. And it's like, you put it's really just not setting people up for success when I think sort of the training program like we had with doing NXT being in that space then you get called up because it's also very different doing a show at NXT versus doing Raw or Smackdown it's the game completely changes once Vince is in your ear once you're doing a three-hour long show uh it's just it's such a different dynamic um and you know I'm sure having Vic on I'm sure he'd be able to talk about that uh as well but um, yeah, I, I think it's just really putting people in and it, it's a sink or swim mentality. And it just sucks because most people end up sinking and it's not for lack of talent or like not being good at that position. It takes a really long time to become a great wrestling commentator. You can be a sports commentator and I think probably get better at that because you're really just dealing with calling what you see and talking about facts. Yeah, yeah. That's not what we do as a wrestling commentator. Now you're telling stories. You're putting over the baby face. You're talking about the heel. You're talking about them in different ways. Sometimes there's just like the different nuanced subtleties of things that are happening. Um, so yeah, wrestling commentary is just so different from being a hockey commentator, a football commentator, whatever it may be. And as much as I think it's interesting to try to, I mean, you know, Pat McAfee is such an anomaly. He's so great at what he does, but he's also a huge wrestling fan. So yeah. that of course helps. And he's just a huge personality. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's really just that. I think it's putting somebody in that's not ready and that not giving them the time to develop, to be where they need to be. Michael Cole has been doing commentary for what, like, 20 years or something like he's been yeah since the 90s so long um and he's so good i feel like 
he's so good. I could literally dedicate like an hour of this time to just talking about how good he is at what he does. Um, and I think now he finally does get the credit for everybody. Finally, like, like yeah. Michael Cole is pretty great. Like he's so fantastic. I think his his WrestleMania match, I think, made people <laughs> unfortunately look at look at him in a different way. Sure, sure. Yeah, and that's fair. But you know, looking at the career the guy's been able to have, he's so great and he's got such thick skin. I assure you, it does not rattle him when people want to talk a little shit. But I love that he is now getting the love and the appreciate appreciation that he deserves. He's so talented. Yeah. Um, and he loves what he does, and you can hear that come through. There really is such a passion there for what he does. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just it's not an easy thing to just step in and start doing and hope that you're going to be good. And I'm sure so many of the names that you rattled off could have gotten to be very good, but there's a little bit of a, a knee jerk reaction to oh my god, this person's not good. They don't know what they're doing. F this person, pull them out. Let's yeah. let's plug in. Let's bring in. Waller or Booker, the you know, are guys that we know know the business and they're gonna yeah. be able to kind of plug in there and do it. It's it's a tough spot to be in for sure. You're you're right though that it's so different in pro wrestling because if I watch a regional football game, I'm a big Browns fan. So if I watch a regional game on CBS and I don't know who the commentators are, I don't notice or care. Sure, sure. Yeah, Just watch sure. the game. Yeah. But in pro wrestling, you immediately, from the time the fireworks are going off on Raw, you go, wait a second. Who's that? Imposter. And I already don't like them. <laughs> and I think that's <laughs> yeah. that's the thing in wrestling. That's it's a like, trained thing. I hate this person. Commentators and announcers are these dweebs and we're not supposed to like them, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, you've got to win me over now. Totally. Yeah. It's, and it's, you, did, you did such a good job of that. Like you really endeared yourself to the wrestling audience and it was like i feel like especially when a new face comes in people go i don't i'm not so sure about this person yeah but you like won everybody over like everybody loves renee thank you i love everybody for the most part (laughs) (laughs) no i you know i got really lucky um in the sense that like You know, I think the way that I got brought into wrestling as well from doing um, right after wrestling or, you know, whatever version of that show that Aftermath, I just forgot the name of it there for a second, right after wrestling into Aftermath. But to be able to start doing that show and doing an after show, again, the stakes aren't very high. We're, you know, we're having fun. We're broadcasting in Canada. And like, that was a great show to do. But then to have that kind of land me on the radar of WWE, me come into wwe and really learning the business from a different aspect um learning different respect for the business from that aspect like i think that that's something um that i've always been like pretty pretty open and and talked about but yeah i think it's just like i i like i like wrestling man i i like it and even me just being away from it for the two years or whatever that i that i did step away for it for a bit you just get that itch once you're in it. It's it's really is hard to just go, well, I'm done with wrestling now. Like, yeah, fat yeah. chance. Good luck with that. And that's why when I see people like Batista, The Rock, John Cena now to a kind of a lesser degree, yeah. like what they have done in Hollywood is so incredibly impressive. Mm-hmm. But it's also that they've done that by stepping away from wrestling and and not like Batista hasn't done anything in years. Like yeah, not going back into that yeah. quicksand as as Dave described it to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. It's it's not easy to do. And I, I always, I commend the the work that they've done from, from the Cena, from Rock, from Batista. You know, you can name off a bunch of people that have had these really successful careers. Um, 
but I also will say, I think there's a lot of really, really talented people as pro wrestlers, whether they're with WWE or they're with AEW, that I think you can't be a pro wrestler and not have incredible work ethic. Oh, yeah. And that's something that I think definitely uh, transfers over into Hollywood. You're not going to be late. You're not going to miss your shoot. You're not going to be shitty to people. You're not going to be rude to people because that just doesn't fly Mm. in in our world. There's no way that that's going to happen. But also like, hey, learn the script really quick. Also, this is your mark. And here's this. Like wrestling is entertainment boot camp. Um, that I, I do think that there's probably, a, you know, a couple names that you could throw out there that I think would really have great successful careers in Hollywood should they. And I do think Hollywood's be, being a lot more open minded to pro yeah. wrestling and pro wrestlers. They are. But there's definitely still a little bit of a oh, I don't know. That's that wrestler. Right. There is still a little bit yeah. of that. And I think until that stigma has gone. Um, but I, yeah, it's, it's not for a lack of talent on our end, I'll say. Do you, do you think MJF's one of those people that could cross over? Yeah, definitely. Of course. I feel yeah, like I everything mean, he says is so believable. He's really hard to bet against. Um, you know, he's, yeah, he, he's a, he's a great promo. He's a great promo. Yeah. He's a great storyteller. He's definitely one of them. Um, but you know, I, I think, you know, you look at somebody like a Ricky Starks. I think he's somebody who's really got that charisma and that charm, too. And there's just something interesting about him. And I think there's a lot to him that has not been discovered yet, character-wise, mm-hmm. on camera, all of that. And I think that that makes him a very exciting. He's like a, there's just like a really cool charisma with mm-hmm. him that, that I like. So he's somebody that I would definitely like to see do some more stuff, too. Do you have a favorite John Moxley match? Ooh, gosh. What is my favorite John Moxley match? That's a good question. It's hard to say. God, he's he wrestles all the time. Yeah, he has a lot of great <laughs> matches. It's if he was somebody that like wrestled like, you know, once a month, something like that, I might be able to narrow it, whittle it down a little bit more. But now I'm like, oh my gosh, to think of like all of these matches that he's had. Let me think for a second. Mm. I got to like mull some over. Mm. It's funny because the first, I mean, I think I really loved the moments, probably an easy answer, but like just even when he debuted, yeah, when he debuted with AEW was like, oh my God, that energy. I get like goosebumps thinking about it because I wasn't with him at the building. I did not get to go to, I think it was at MGM Grand at the time. I didn't get to go. I was still working with WWE, of course. So I was like, I'm going to stay here. I'm not going to like ruffle any feathers or make anything weird. So I'm going to stay here and watch you. Um, and knowing that it was happening, it was really kept under wraps. And to see him show up, come out from the crowd as he does, um, but to just see him as John Moxley for the first time, essentially was that, that will always like, that's just such a proud wife moment of seeing somebody bet on themselves and knowing I have so much more to offer than what I've been given. And I'm going out and I'm going to fucking get it. Mm. And that's exactly what he did. And to see the crowd be like, Oh my God, to watch. I Lita was with me. She was at my house and we were watching together. She happened to be in Vegas for it. And I was like, we've got to watch AEW. And she's like, wait, why? I was like, because it's happening. It's happening right now. Um, so yeah, we we got to watch that together. 
Um, but yeah, just to see the crowd reaction, to see that moment with Jericho for him to drop Kenny on top of the poker chips, like, and that was just him, like, really entering the fray of of all things AEW. Yeah. I mean, that's that's definitely one that stands out for me. I that's was more there. Of, like a moment. Were you there for that? I was there, and it was so cool seeing the crowd immediately know this was John Moxley. This yes, wasn't Dean Ambrose. Yes. This was totally. John Moxley. That was yes. so cool to see. Wasn't that neat? And I think there's always probably like that little bit of reservation of like. You know, I hope that they're going to know that it's John Moxley and not Dean Ambrose. Yeah. And to see that, to see that switch happen and to kind of see him be like reborn as his former self again was, was like such a cool moment. So we don't have a favorite John Moxley match. I, that, I mean, I would say that's my, my favorite moment. John Moxley moment. Yeah. That's your favorite a John Moxley match, moment. Great. Though, for a match. <laughs> It's funny because when you said that, I guess maybe because I just had Kenny on my podcast, their match was great. By the way, it was a thank you. That was a really fun conversation. If it wasn't session, if you a great session. (laughs) If it wasn't for um, the lack of um, pyrotechnics at the at the end of that match, it like I really really did love that match. Um, who? I mean, probably. I mean, John and Brian was really Mm. great at arthur ash but like obviously that was really great duh Um, i feel like brian with anybody is pretty spectacular i know it's it's really great i mean i can't really think of like an opponent that john's not had because i also feel like in the last however many years he's kind of been more or less like hand picking what what his matches were going to be and who his opponents were going to be so to think of like what some of those dream matches could be for him i mean yeah whether it's kenny whether it's brian uh whether it's you know having his match with mjf even though he lost the title um i don't know i yeah for me it's i'm I'm more so into knowing like like what those moments are like even like when regal came out with him and brian when they're in the ring and they're slapping each other and have like regal show up that was one that also gave me goosebumps again to like harken back to to yeah. like both of their separate relationships with Regal. That was that was a really cool special moment. So, anyways, I can't really say that I what what my favorite John Moxley match is. I don't know. Do you have one? Oh, I, I mean, I would have to go with favorite moment being that debut. So good. Yeah. Right. The fact that I was there for that. But, you know, the cool thing is. There's so many matches. There's there's so many. It's really hard for me to say. And John's always in the conversation now as one of the best wrestlers in the world every year. For sure he is. And I mean, I got to give a little bit of love to Hangman here, too, because I do feel like the two of them have such incredible chemistry in the ring together. Mm. Um, And, you know, the the four matches that they've had that series. Like, I I think that they've done some really incredible storytelling. Like obviously their matches have been so hard hitting and they beat the absolute piss out of each other. Um, But the storytelling that they've been able to do without any championships involved. um, I I think that they've done such a great job to string us along for four different matches. Like it's pretty impressive. I will say watching uh their their texas death match at revolution it started to make my stomach turn a little bit <laughs> i'm watching it and i'm like watching it in talent viewing and i'm like oh my god like when john is stabbing 
hangman in the fore or in the forehead with the fork and it starts like spewing everywhere like all over john i'm like because all i'm thinking during this i'm like there's got to be a receipt for this somewhere it's coming back for you 100 so i'm kind of holding my breath until the very end mm. of the match they're crazy how long can he keep doing this do you think oh god i don't know i don't know i'm really not sure i mean maybe start pacing them out a little more that might help yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's, I, it's just... We need to, I, I really like, I want him to buy a hyperbaric chamber. We're in the middle of putting a gym in our basement. Oh, so. I was in DDP's hyperbaric chamber. It's fantastic. He's all about it. Him and yes. I have spoken about it. And he actually put me in contact with a friend of his that's in the hyperbaric chamber business. Um, so, yeah, I really want John to, to get on that. But we, he's building a, a gym in our basement right now. So, I think any of the wellness, stretching, any of the things you can kind of do to, to yeah. help take care of yourself. Get him a is, cold plunge, a sauna, yeah, hyperbaric chamber. Give him the work. Some Make it DDPY. all spot. Yes, get all of it. Yeah, that's sort of like my my wife pitch to him. I'm like, all right, let's just stretch it out. Let's get a little cold compress on there. Yeah. Shut it down a little bit. Drink talk some water. About a, Drink a lot of water. I want to talk a little Canadian stuff with you here. Okay, great. Who do you think is the best Canadian band of all time? Oh, geez. Best Canadian band of all time. I know it's so difficult. It is really difficult. Um, hmm. I mean, you probably have to say the Tragically Hip, right? I think you'd have to. And then, I, I mean, that final performance, hip. even just thinking about it, like, Gives me goosebumps. Yeah. You want to cry. Totally. I mean, yeah, I, I would have to say probably the hip when we're talking bands. Um, and then if you want to get into like the solo artist category, that's a different conversation. Ooh, who's that? Well, that that I think opens it up a lot more. Because I think sure. when you're talking full bands, like the ones that come to mind, of course, Tragically Hip. Uh, I, I like Blue Rodeo a lot. Blue okay. Rodeo yeah. I mean, really a lot of people great. go with uh, Nickelback, Bare Naked Ladies. <laughs> I don't like either of those bands. People throw in Rush. I'm actually not a huge Rush fan. Wow. I know. So that kind of clears the path a little bit for me when it comes to like the greatest band of all time. Some 41. Um, <laughs> throw them out there. I mean, they're from on. Ajax. They've got some bangers, dude. They do. They've got some good songs. But when it comes to solo artists, it's like Shania Twain, mm. Brian Adams, mm. um, Celine Justin Dion. Bieber, Celine Dion, Avril Lavigne, uh, Alanis Morissette. Yeah, like there's so many great names that you could rattle off. Canadians are pretty great. They're they're pretty. Dare great. I say so? No, they're it's uh, and we always play this game as Canadians when a Canadian starts to do something in Hollywood or you know you see them at the Oscars or the Grammys you go. <gasps> One of us. There he is. Yeah. Of, you, know, you know, Ryan Reynolds, by the way, is from Canada. And so am I. We love to plug it. We love it, love it, love it. What was the decision for you to um, become an American citizen? Um, You know, I really just wanted to not deal with paperwork anymore. Like renewing Having, your Oh, green my card? God. The, the visa, the green card, blah, 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 blah. Just, it's a lot of paperwork to keep track of. Um, I didn't want to have the paperwork anymore. I've got all the little cards, all that stuff. And then as I'm, so you can apply to become a citizen after you've either had your green card for five years or you've been married to an American yeah. for three. 
Um, so being married to an American for th- I got I think I got my green card maybe just before John and I got married, I think. Um, so once it was uh like it was just before our three year wedding anniversary that I was like, I'm doing it. I'm gonna start applying because I know it'll take at least it takes about a year to do. Um, yeah, and then now having my daughter, I was like, Well, I'm gonna have an American baby. Is she not going to be a dual citizen? She will be. I've just not done the paperwork yet. Well, you've got like 16 more years to figure that out. I know, but I am going to do it sooner than later. Yeah, we are too. Because you've already got the paperwork out anyways, because I had just done all of my stuff. So I I do want to actually do hers pretty soon. So I actually just got my American passport a couple weeks ago. Um, So you're like Jason Bourne with the two passports. Dude, it's a trip. A trip. Yeah, traveling with two passports makes you feel like dangerous and cool. Yeah. And, I was and like I, messaging you, so many people. I'm like, how do I do this? What do I do? I'm like messaging like Christian. I'm like, <laughs> you're a dual citizen. What do you do? Um, yeah, it's very, very cool. So yeah, I just I really just wanted to get it done. I was done with the paperwork. I was I've been here, I've been living in the United States for um, 20, uh, wait, eleven years. Eleven mm. years now I've, I've mm. been in the United States. So yeah, it was it was time. I just renewed my green card and I was on the fence about like, which one do I want to do? So why, so why did you not, what was your reservation? Uh, not a reservation. There's just really no advantage to, you know, Canadian citizenship is, is a, it's a great passport to travel on. Yeah. There's really no advantage to becoming an American citizen for me. Um, the only thing that I would be different is I could vote and right. I wouldn't be deported if I was convicted of a felony. So uh, oh, don't, no. I don't ever have to do jury duty. That's actually a good one. The Pretty good, I right? For that, I'm going to be cursing it. Yeah, and I think that true. one of my friends who's Canadian, he's lived here for like 25 years. He basically said, like, if you do ever choose to live somewhere else one day and you're an American citizen, you will always have to pay taxes in America. Oh, that's a good point. And I went, well, I don't know, probably won't ever leave, but who knows? Yeah. And I said, but that's a really good thing to have in my back pocket for yeah. 40 years from now or something. Sure. You never know. You might want to pull Shania and go to Switzerland. You never know. Ooh, and he, I mean, he was talking about like, I think I'm going to move to Bahamas eventually. And I'm like, well, I'm, I see what you're talking about here. Yeah. Gosh, I, so I don't know. I just, that. I just filled out a form, paid my, whatever it was, $480 and got a new green card. Oh, well, there you go. You're good then. You're good for another decade. You're fine. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about it in 2032. <laughs> Yikes. Jeez. Yikes. All right, as we wrap this up, I want to end with gratitude because that's such an important part of of my life. I don't think we did this last time. I um, think we did. I think. Oh, okay. Did. I wonder if it'll be the same three things then. Oh God, I don't remember my three things. Right, so we'll see. We'll <laughs> I uh, I do this every morning, and before I go to bed, I say out loud three things I'm grateful for, and it just kind of sets the tone for the day. So, what are three things in your life that you're grateful for right now? Uh, my baby, my husband, um, and uh, stability. Mm, so good. So yeah. good to catch up with you too. Thank you for making the time. Yeah, thank you. Really good to see you. How long until your baby's born? Two months tomorrow. <gasps> oh, okay. Listen, yeah. get your get your dad shoes ready. It's time to kick into high gear. I I don't know the f- I don't know anything about this. Neither did I. You figure it out. <laughs> I didn't know shit about shit and. Now I yeah, think I'm, I'm just, firing in all cylinders. You'll be all right. Uh, we've got a whole room over here full of baby stuff. Oh, yeah. And a bunch of shit that you don't need 100%. I did it. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. So much stuff that I'm like, why did I buy this? Oh, my God. I so I might be uh, hitting you up and be like, hey, what, what am Please I supposed do. to do here? Please do. I love it. I love doling out parent advice. 
But congrats <laughs> on everything. Thank you. And we didn't even talk about like, you're also, you know, real quick, tell us all the jobs you have right now. Oh my gosh. Well, right now, uh, I am a on-air personality broadcaster for All Elite Wrestling. You can catch me on uh, Dynamite on Wednesday. I've heard of it. Rampage. Yeah, we're, we're booked and busy doing all those things. I also host a podcast for the Volume Podcast Network called The Sessions with me, Renee Paquette. Um, I drop new episodes on Tuesdays and Thursdays anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Um, and then just some fun side stuff. We actually just started doing a new thing that's going to drop coming very soon called The Sneaker Sessions where we're getting shoes and we're doing interviews and we're doing a little walk and talk kind of hang. Um, and then I'm, I've, I've got some uh, fun cooking content coming out as well. So I'm just damn You've also busy. got some stuff with the bangles too. And the bangles. I've got my podcast with the bangles called all, uh, Renee All Day. Um, so hopefully once the season kicks back up, I will be back in there. Have with you done the anything boys. with Joe Burrow yet? No, he is like the Holy Grail. He's hard to get to. Um, so hopefully if they bring me back again this coming season, that maybe they'll throw Burrow my way. Nice. I would love to hang out with Burrow. Uh, he seems like such a cool person to spend some time with. But I feel like a tough interview. Ooh, that's a good point. Don't you think? He's a bit of a tough nut to yeah. crack. So I I, in, yeah. I lived in Cleveland for five years and I was there when LeBron was there. And he was the Holy Grail, right? He yeah. was like, they had had a whole economy based on LeBron James yeah. playing basketball there. Yeah. Nobody got an interview with LeBron James. No, no. Though I will say Colin Cowherd with the volume, he had Burrow on once a week. He somehow figured that out. I guess Burrow was a fan of Colin's, of course. And they they figured something out where, where Burrow would join Colin wow. once a week. And like, yeah, kind of catch up in between games and whatnot. Mm. So maybe Uncle Colin can help me out with that a little bit too. We'll see. There it is. Well, yeah. Renee, so good to see you. And, and <laughs> thank you, you so much for hanging out here. Of course. Yeah, good luck with the baby. You guys are going to crush it. Um, thanks for having me on and hopefully I'll see you soon. Big thank you to Renee for joining us here. Big thank you to you as well for always being with us on this audio adventure, always being with us on this journey. Speaking of being on a journey, I tweeted out earlier this week. Yeah, I've, I've had a lot of people ask me about content creation, about YouTube and podcasts and everything. And I've, I've, I've put a lot of that info out there. I've been a guest on a bunch of different shows. If you want to go check those out, we, we talk about that at great length. But I've been thinking about writing a book that kind of puts all of this together. And I did a podcast episode, I guess about a year ago now, that was called, What the F Are You Waiting For? And I got such a great response from that, from so many people who were sitting right there on the precipice of wanting to do something and then never actually taking any of the steps forward to doing it. What the F are you waiting for? So perhaps that could be the title of this book. Perhaps that could be the title of a chapter in this book. But stay tuned. Stay tuned as this sounds like it's something that we're going to do here. Hope you enjoyed this chat with Renee. I just love that she brings it. With everything that she does, she brings it. Whether that's doing a segment with AEW, whether that's on her podcast, the sessions, or whether that's in an interview like this one right here, she just brings it. Snap a screenshot and let us know what you loved the most about this and tag us so we can share it. Renee's at Renee Paquette. I'm at Chris Van Vliet and Edgar Khan said it best. 
And I will leave you with this quote from him. We have what we need if we use what we have. Be great, be grateful. We will see you on the next one for some more insight.